my name is Shannon Lee, and you're listening to The Slapcast. Welcome, one and all, to The Slapcast. And for those of you celebrating, happy Thanksgiving. A little bit later this week. You know, last year we did a big Thanksgiving feast. Why did we do that this year? That was so much fun. I don't know. I came here and I expected food. I know. I'm sorry. We can still order Bob Evans. That's what we did last year. I did not cook a thing. (laughs) So today is the second part of coaching your team. And the last time we talked about this, it was the four essential coaching skills. And today we're covering the three mistakes managers make when coaching their team. So these things are deeply intertwined. So let's review. In part one, about the four essential coaching skills, we talked about these four skills. So number one, listen to learn. And the focus of that was making sure that as soon as we receive information from someone that maybe challenges us, instead of moving to defensiveness or even to share our own experience, that we first move to curiosity. We get curious about what's going on. That then helps us with the second essential tip for coaching, which is we can inquire for insight. And some of the ways we do that is keeping an open mind, asking what questions instead of why questions. And then once we do that, we move into telling our own truth because now we're ready to do that. We have, we've listened to learn, we've received more information by inquiring for insight, and now we can tell our truth. It's time for us to tell our side of what needs to be communicated. And the watchouts for telling our truth is making sure that we do it with kindness, with clarity, and remembering in our mindset that telling our truth that that gives the other person and ourselves an ability to develop and to grow. And that when we fail to tell our truth, because maybe we're afraid we're going to hurt someone's feelings or that they're going to be upset, that we're actually preventing growth for everybody involved. And then finally, the fourth essential coaching skill is to express confidence in the other person. And that might mean talking about just how confident you are in their abilities, pointing to past successes, things like that. All of that is a part of the four essential coaching skills. Now, Nearly 75% of organizations recognize coaching as a necessary leadership capacity. Yet, this is, this is I, I can't even believe this, only 5% claim to have trained their managers in coaching behaviors. It's so interesting to me when people say, yes, this is, impo- this is important, but then over here, but we don't do anything about it. Um, I just find it interesting. When leaders coach their people, it has a significant positive effect on employee development, performance, and productivity. Nearly half of managers spend less than 10% of their time coaching others. That percentage should be much higher. So if someone works an average of a 40-hour work week, That means they're not even spending an hour a day coaching others. That is just, that's just very insufficient. Now, managers who can coach make all the difference. Behind every great employee is a great manager. In fact, the single most important managerial competency that separates highly effective managers from average managers is coaching, according to a 2015 Harvard Business Review report. But it's not just your managers who are relying on you to provide them with the resources they need to coach effectively. Your company is too. Now, when Blanchard asked employees of 100 organizations in a 2016 study what their number one concern was, 
Respondents said it was getting their managers to be more coach-like. Your company is invested in your managers and you want them to be effective leaders. So how can you ensure your managers have the resources and the tools they need to become great coaches? Well, we talked about the skills last time, but we want to cover some mistakes because for some of us, we learn, from, learn, we learn best from looking at what we should do. But for a lot of people, like me, we learn from pain. <laughs> and pain is quite the teacher. Uh, I'm sure everyone would agree. And so when we look at the mistakes that we make, the mistakes that managers make when coaching their teams, sometimes we can see ourselves in these examples and we can become more aware so that we don't continue to make those mistakes. You want to empower your managers and create a positive coaching culture at your company. However, you may feel like your managers aren't reaching their full potential. As a leadership and development professional, your job is to provide your managers with the resources they need to deepen their leadership skills and motivate their people. When managers are unable to lead and coach effectively, mistakes are made and sometimes it could be fatal to the organization. So here are three common management mistakes and how to avoid them. Number one, failing to communicate effectively. This almost seems too simple to even need to mention, but it's so important. Communication is one of the most important facets of successful management. When managers communicate infrequently, they can appear superior or not part of the team. On the other side of the spectrum, managers who communicate too frequently may accidentally share confidential information or become too chummy with staff members. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a situation where a manager overshares and then they pause and go, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's when you know something confidential has just been shared. But successful communication requires a balance that includes some transparency, of course. Managers should ask their people for feedback and empower them to share their ideas. They should listen to their employees' problems and make them feel valued. I know for myself, finding that balance with communication has been a challenge, and it's something I feel like I'm just now starting to get a handle on. I would, I would literally, these two examples of either not communicating enough or oversharing I would always fall into one of those two buckets. I could never find that happy medium. And one of the things that has helped me to communicate more effectively has been to plan my communication in advance. And that means having an outline, an agenda, bullet points, whatever it takes. And I stick to the plan. I stick to the plan. Now, you may think that by under communicating or communicating infrequently that you're doing everybody a favor because they don't want to hear from you. But actually, when there's a lack of communication, the folks around you are feeling like you're not involved. That's why I love this idea that um, I don't like the idea of appearing superior, but I love being told that that can be perceived as appearing superior. That's a good reminder to every leader. Over communicate and then ask how you're doing. If you are truly over-communicating, people will let you know. So failing to communicate effectively. And I'll add in there that effective communication is not only about the frequency of communication, but the quality of communication. And in last episode, we talked a little bit about what it looks like to listen, to learn, and to inquire for insight. Some of those competencies will help you to communicate more effectively. Okay, so the second thing that managers do that um, can be a mistake is they fail to earn trust. 
Managers should maintain a strong level of trust with their team. When managers don't trust their employees, they erect a wall between themselves and their people. So here are some signs of distrust. And I want you to see if you're experiencing any of this on your team. So micromanaging employees, this is the hovering over employees. It's not only demoralizing and frustrating, but it can also hinder an employee's growth and performance. If you are new to the Slapcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to our episodes about SL2, which deals with the development levels of learning. The development levels of learning in the workplace will help you to know whether or not you are micromanaging your employees because some employees need more direction than others. They definitely, you know, employees don't need the same direction all the time and they don't need the same direction as one another. And so micromanaging is when you give more direction than the employee actually needs. And that's different from employee to employee and based on their individual tasks that they're working on. Okay, another sign of distrust is controlling freedom. That sounds weird, right? Controlling freedom. When managers control their staff's freedom, they thwart collaboration, development, and the flow of good ideas. Managers should encourage autonomy. That also means giving employees the freedom to make mistakes. So how would we do this so that the mistakes that might be made don't sink us, right? Well, the idea is the freedom that you give and the autonomy that you give is in, is in accordance with the person's ability level, with their experience, and where you know they are developmentally. Giving someone too much freedom, or what we call throwing non-swimmers into the deep end, can be just as damaging as not giving enough freedom to someone who is accomplished and highly competent and quite naturally an autonomous performer. So you've got to know where your folks are and their ability to perform on their own without a lot of check-ins because you can, you can over-manage their freedom and become controlling with it. Another sign of distrust is acting superior. If you act like you're better than your staff, you will only hurt their morale, but you'll also lose respect and trust. Be a role model for your employees and treat them as you would want to be treated if you were in the position. I've talked to leaders before. They truly believe they are, what are some of the phrases? The cat's meow, the butter on the bread. They have the best idea in the room and they know it. The problem is, is you think you might be hiding this from your staff, but let me tell you something, they're picking up on it. You really cannot hide your true intentions because it will come out in your attitudes, it will come out in your reactions and your body language. And finally, another common sign of distrust is acting unfairly. It's impossible to think of every employee as being the same, I get that, however, you should treat them all equally. Playing favorites will not earn you respect or trust. It can also cause resentment and unhealthy competition within your team. This can happen in many unintentional ways. One of the ways I've seen this happen, and maybe this isn't as common, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, I knew someone who worked on a team and the, the leader of the team had a little nickname for everyone. Now, none of the nicknames were inappropriate. You know, they, they had to do with their performance or whatever. You know, like if someone was always closing sales, you know, they would call that person, you know, um, the, the, you know, the closer or whatever. So they were complimentary, but they were nicknames. But there was one person on the team, she never got a nickname from her boss. And he never thought about it before. And in his mind, he hadn't come up, oh, there's the dog, it's okay. COVID-19, 2020, we're all doing this from home, folks. We're not editing it out. That's Sammy, introducing Sammy. Um, 
But, you know, he was still trying to think of what a good nickname would be for her based on her performance. She'd only been with the organization about six months, but she was thinking that he was playing favorites. And so how do you fix that? You communicate and you express intention when you communicate. So if I'm that employee, what I would want to hear from my boss is, hey, Shannon, I want you to know that I haven't come up with a nickname for you yet because I'm trying to find the perfect fit. I think you need to be here a little bit longer, but I want you to know that it's on my mind. Now I'm not worried about it. Now I don't think he's playing favorites. So please understand that just because you don't think you're playing favorites, it doesn't mean you're not being perceived as playing favorites. So you really got to be careful about that. Something that happened to me in my first leadership experience, I went from being a teacher to the elementary principal. So here I am, I'm now the boss of my friends and my colleagues. And something that happened to me is I had a really close friend who now I'm, I'm her boss. And even though I technically held her to this same standards of everyone else. And what I mean by that is she still needed to be at work on time. She needed to call in if she was going to be sick or late, all those things. She was, I didn't let up on her for those things. But because when she walked in the building every day, I was high-fiving her and hugging her, but I wasn't doing that with every other teacher. What they thought was every time that she had to be late or had to miss a day because maybe one of her kids needed to go to the doctor or something like that, the perception was, was that I let her do things that I didn't let other people do. And that simply wasn't true. She followed protocol with every request for time off, etc. But because I was more chummy with her, more friendly with her, the perception was that I was playing favorites. And so I didn't think it was unfair and it was a hard leadership lesson for me. And so I had to sit her down and have a conversation because I needed her to know that I was going to have to dial back my enthusiasm for when I saw her. And I also needed to dial it up for everybody else. And I had to make that adjustment. And that was in my very first year. How I found that out, I asked the staff to evaluate me at the end of the year. And this is one of the things that came out and I was, I felt terrible. And so I made quick adjustments. Okay. So that's the second thing that managers often do. That's a mistake um, is they fail to earn trust in the four ways that, or the signs of distrust are that micromanaging employees, controlling their freedom, acting superior or acting unfairly. And of course, the third mistake that managers make, you probably could have guessed it because of our theme, is they fail to coach. There's more to being a manager than managing. There's more to being a manager than managing process. Managers must know how to coach too. Providing day-to-day -day coaching is one of the most important qualities of a great manager. Coaching is essential when it comes to your employees' performance, productivity, and overall happiness. It has a positive impact on their sense of trust, on their emotional outlook, their sense of value, their passion for work, company loyalty, and so important, their company advocacy. Okay, so let's review. Three mistakes that managers make when it comes to coaching. They fail to communicate effectively. They fail to earn trust. Remember, earn trust, that's an active thing. We work towards it. And finally, they fail to coach.
Now, as I mentioned in the last podcast, we have a program called Coaching Essentials. We take a deep dive into the four essential skills of coaching at work. We give you a model for coaching at work so that you don't have to guess at how to do these things that I've been talking about. And we talk about the mistakes that we're making. It's all done in a collaborative environment, online. It's highly interactive. I encourage you to check it out. You can find out information on our website, or if you'd like, you could just contact me at slapcast at relayleadership.org. Okay, that's it for this episode. Be sure to join us in December when we speak with Pastor Rich Johnson of Sanctuary Church about what it takes to awaken the best in people. I'll see you then.